If you could please open your Bible to the contents page. We're all going to start at the same place, so there's going to be no embarrassment here. So please, Bible to the contents page and find for me the book of Obadiah. If you're on your phone, this will be easy and it'll make it look like you know what you're doing. Obadiah is a 21 verse book. Um, I kind of thought, I'm, I'm preaching tonight and I'm preaching next Sunday night, so I thought, do you know what, what can I do? I was thinking I would pick a chapter or something and do half tonight, half next week, and then I thought, what books can I do in two? So Obadiah is what we came to, and then I read it and thought, my goodness, what are we doing here? But we'll go for it. Uh, we're going to read tonight the first 16 verses, and then next week we're going to read verses 17 to 21. <clears throat> and it reads from verse 1, the vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, we have heard the report from the Lord and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up, let us rise against her for battle. Behold, I will make small among the nations, you shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwellings, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagles, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how you would have been destroyed. Would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? How Esau has pillaged, his treasure sought out. All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of the Mount Esau? And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Teman, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But do not gloat over the day of your brother in the, house of his misf- in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over people of Judah in their day of ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads and cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and be as though they have never been. (coughs) Nestled in the backwaters of the minor prophets, we have Obadiah's message to the land of Edom. I quite like this quote, but uh, the book of Obadiah is like a rare bird. Experts can be expected to appreciate it, but most of us are barely aware that it exists. 
Many of us may recognize the title of the book, but we would shuffle our feet a little bit if we were asked of the theme, the content, the application to the 21st century. Obadiah is a bit like the spleen of the Old Testament. We know it's there, but we don't really know its role in the body. But Obadiah is an incredibly important book. Anybody that knows anything of terrorism, anybody who is frustrated by injustice, this is the book that we want to be in. Obadiah teaches us that God's long-term plan is to bring closure to issues that military and judicial action cannot accomplish, things that the military, things that the courts cannot do. It's a comforting book for us to come to as we hear all the time reports of terrorism, of injustice, of genocide, of ethnic cleansing, of abortion, whatever it may be. But any time the innocent are targeted en masse, we are waiting for justice to be done. And this book reassures us that God never relegates unsolved injustices to a shelf. God never forgets and justice will always be served. I want to look a little at the, the context of this land of Edom. Of all human conflicts, the most painful and difficult to resolve are often those that are between relatives. But if family feuds are tragic, so are national feuds. Almost every nation has experienced the civil war when we see one brother killing another to try and sort out some long-standing disagreement. Often in civil wars, nobody quite fully understands why they're fighting, and nobody really wants to settle. History tells us that the roots of these disputes are bitter, that they are long, and they are deep, and that any attempt to deal with these things peacefully often doesn't work. Apparently, Scotland's last civil war was in 1645. The War of the Three Kingdoms, I thought it sounded a bit like a Lord of the Rings book, but it was between the Royalists and the Covenanters. And the death toll on the battlefield was some 28,000. And those dying from injuries, those families affected, the disease that took the land made the death toll so, so much higher. This land of Edom. We come back to Genesis 25 in the story of Esau and Jacob. These twin brothers who had been in competition from before they were born. But unfortunately, their parents disagreed over the boys. Isaac preferring Esau and Rebekah favoring Jacob. And God had chosen Jacob, the younger son, to receive the blessing. But Jacob and Rebekah decided to get this blessing by scheming instead of trusting God in Genesis 27. As Isaac's eyes grew old as he became blind as he came close to death he wanted to bless Esau but Jacob conned him by following those same commands and when Esau had learned that his clever brother had stolen this blessing he resolved to kill him after his father was dead and that led to Jacob leaving the years later we see a brief period of reconciliation between the two of them at the funeral of their father but that animosity between the two of them was never removed. And from there, Esau established this nation of Edom. And his descendants, this land that is presented before us, carried on this family feud that Esau had started years before. The law of Moses commanded the Jews to treat the Edomites like brothers. 
In Deuteronomy 23, it says, You shall not abhor the Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not abhor an Egyptian, because you were a sojourner in his land. But in spite of this, Ezekiel 35 tells us, The Edomites cherished perpetual enmity against Israel. And they used every opportunity to display it. And what Obadiah sets out here for us is basically the claim against them. Everything that they have done wrong and what they will face because of what they have done wrong. There's three messages in this book. The first verse, we find the message to Edom, uh, to their neighbors. And then we find the message to Edom themselves. And then we find the message to the Jewish people in verses 17 to 21. We're going to park that bit. We're going to look at that next week. But tonight, I want to focus on these two messages to the neighbors of Edom in verse 1, and then the message to Edom itself in the following verses. The thing that surrounds all of this is pride and is arrogance. That's what is given to us in this nation, that they are a proud country that is proud of their disobedience to God. And what we see from Obadiah and what reflects through this that hopefully will become clear to us as we go into this passage in the next couple of weeks is that the sovereignty of justice of God will always be done. That God will always be in control and he is always working out his ways. The message then to Edom's neighbors. Much like Isaiah, like Micah, like Nahum, Habakkuk, the prophet Obadiah was given this message by the means of a vision. For the Lord does not do anything without revealing his secrets to his servants, the prophets, Amos tells us. Obadiah wrote this vision and it was shared and became part of what we have in front of us in our Bibles. But it's amazing because we already see the Lord at work in here because Obadiah knows what is going on in these nations that are allied to Edom. All these nations that are allied together against Judah. Thanks to today's international media coverage, it's pretty hard for things to happen in the global scale, in the diplomatic world, in the political world, for us not to know about it. If you've been on Twitter this week, trending all week has been World War III. Uh, that has been coming from everything that is going on in Iran. But we can find out as much as we want about lots of these sort of things. But obviously in Obadiah's day, that was not possible. The travel of, of leaders, the discussions that they had amongst them were done in secret. But God told his servant Obadiah that an ambassador from another nation, from an allied nation of Edom, was visiting the other nations to convince the leaders that the, to join forces and attack Edom. Something, as we read this, that is ordained by God. As we read in verse 7, all your allies have driven you to your border. Something that was to come. I love these words of John Wesley that when he would read a newspaper, he was asked, why do you read the newspaper every day? And his response was to see how God was governing his world, was his response. And it's certainly a biblical approach that God rules over kingdoms, that he rules over nations, and that history is his story. This obviously doesn't mean that God is to blame for the foolish and the wicked things that are going on in this world. But it means that God is working out his divine purposes in human history. We know that the God that has numbered the stars, 
the one who sees the tiniest birds fall to the ground, is mindful of his plans and his purposes for the nations. God's ways are hidden and God's ways are mysterious. But our prayer must be, God, your will be done. God's message to Edom in verse 1 shows us that God is in control. That God is working out his judgment upon this land. Do we know tonight that God is in control? That we don't worship this small God that is just with us here and now, but actually has been before us and is ahead of us and is everywhere around us working out his plans and his purposes. Do we know and do we understand that the God that we serve is a sovereign God? And the beauty of the prophets as we see that worked out throughout them. The beauty of, of history as we can reflect and we can see the ways in which God has been at work. I want to move to my main point and to God's message to the land of Edom. There are two parts to this message. There is the justice that will be served, what is going to happen to them. And then after that, we see their sins and what they have done wrong. First, the prophet comes and declares that God would judge this land and take away everything that they boasted on. He would take away their dependency, their security, everything. And we read the first in verses 2 to 4, that God is going to bring down their pride. Edom was a proud, proud nation that considered itself invincible, invulnerable. Why? Because it was situated in the clefts of the rock. It was a sheltered place. It was a place in the high cliffs and narrow valleys that would discourage any invader from coming to attack. Like the eagles, the Edomites lived on the rocks and they looked down from the heights with disgust at everywhere else round about them. They thought that they were great people. But God said that he would make them small. Proverbs 16 verse 18. Pride goes before destruction. Throughout the Bible we're taught that God opposes the proud. And he is drawn to humility. And pride was precisely their problem. But we know of course that pride is a universal problem of the human heart. It's not restricted to any class of people. It's not restricted to any geographical location. But in many ways, it is the root of all our human sin. Secondly, in verses 5 and 6, their wealth would be plundered. This was a great location. Edom, situated on various trade routes, could amass massive amounts of wealth in buying and selling. They could dig from these mineral-rich mountains. But we're told that unlike ordinary thieves, their plunderers were coming to take everything. Unlike the great harvesters, they would not leave anything behind for others. But this would be the end of this nation. Thirdly, their alliances would be broken. Though they were protected by this great location that they found themselves in they found themselves at the top of these mountains these cliffs so surrounded but they were smart enough they were clever people they knew that they needed friends that were going to help them against the great empires that would frequently threaten smaller nations Edom would always need allies to assist them in their constant feuds with Israel 
But God would turn to those friends and he would turn them into enemies. The ones that they would break bread with, the ones that they made covenants of peace with would break those covenants. While pretending to be their friends, their allies would turn into traitors. They would set a trap and they would catch Edom by surprise. Fourth, their wisdom would be destroyed. The people of the east were known for their wisdom, and this included the Edomites. Located as they were on these great trade routes, they could get news and views from many different places. They were clever, clever people. But without wisdom, their leaders could not lead. Without wisdom, there would be confusion in the nation. How relatable that is for us. And finally, their army would be defeated. Without wisdom, the military leaders would have no idea how to command their troops. Their mighty men would be defeated. And that would be the end of them. Justice. Justice for their treatment of their brothers in Israel. Justice for their treatment of God's people. What does this mean for us? It means that it provides a great hope for Christians everywhere. As James tells us, Christians will suffer trials of various kinds. But we can rest content in knowing that a God of perfect justice, who will let no injustices committed against his own people, will ever go unpunished. God will act justly towards those around the world who destroy the dignity of the unborn and the elderly, to those who abandon the opportunities to defend the helpless. How wonderful is it that this is the God that we rest in, that this is the God that our hope is in, the God of supreme and ultimate justice. This is the God that watches over us. This is the God that saves us. And it is this God that perseveres throughout the ages. There is so much injustice in this world. Whether that be towards Christians, to the vulnerable. And yes, we have a responsibility to challenge these things. But it is Christ who ultimately will challenge all men. The Apostle John tells us that the Father judges no one, but has given the judgment to the Son. That they will stand before Christ. That they will find themselves there. Standing before the ultimate judgment that is before them. I want to look at their sins. The four things that these people did. Verses 10 and 11. They used violence against their brothers. When their, brother, uh, when their founder Esau discovered that he was deprived of his father's blessing, he was determined to kill his brother. He was determined to stand against him. And this malicious attitude never disappeared. It was passed down through generations. There was a real hatred from these people towards the people of God. In verse 12, we find they rejoiced at what the enemy was doing. Not only did they ignore the suffering of the Jews, but they rejoiced in their suffering. For the Israelites, this was their day of destruction and distress. But for the Edomites, it was a day of delight. It was a day of rejoicing. And in their pride, they looked down 
from their cliffs and they gloated over the misfortune of others. Solomon writes in Proverbs 24, do not rejoice when your enemy falls and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. We must not be those people. Thirdly, they assisted in the enemy that were attacking the Jews, verses 13 and 14. It was bad enough that they didn't do anything to help their brothers, and it was bad enough that they laughed at them in their misfortunes. But when they gave aid to the enemy, they took this feud too far. The Edomites entered into the city, and they shared in dividing the spoils, robbing their brothers of their wealth. The Edomites also stood at the forks in the road ready to capture the fugitives who were trying to escape. And they turned them over to the enemy to be imprisoned or killed. This is building the picture for us that the Edomites were not good people. And lastly, they ignored the impending wrath of God. The worst of them all, verse 15, for the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. And that includes this land. This includes this prophetic word that comes to them. The day of the Lord is a phrase that describes the time when God will pour out his wrath upon this wicked world, when he will judge the nations and establish his kingdom, fulfilling his promises that were made to Israel. But also the phrase is used to describe these God-ordained calamities that are sent to punish people at any time. And that is what we see here in the day of the Lord, this nation that sins, this nation that has turned its back on its God, that has turned its back on its brothers. Let's pull it back for a minute and we'll, we'll wrap it up and try and work out what all of this means for us. I, I entitled this sermon Sovereignty and Justice because they both go hand in hand. There are so many things in this world right now that should make us cry out for justice. But God will bring closure and God will bring comfort in his own time. That is the central message of the book of Obadiah. God cares for the innocent and God will bring justice. And we can't look at this, we can't go into this without looking at the current biggest injustice against the vulnerable. And the largest target en masse that we see of innocent lives is the genocide of our unborn babies. On the 31st of December 2018, there were some 42 million abortions performed in the course of the year around the world. 115,000 a day. In the last nine years, almost 2.5% of the Scottish population. Cancer, smoking, HIV and AIDS kill 15 million people compared to the 42. In 2018, 23% of all pregnancies ended in abortion. But do you know what? There will be justice for the unborn. There is a God that cares deeply for them. There is a God that cares deeply for his people and a God that cares deeply for the innocent. Our charge is to be a people that cry out for justice that cry out for justice in evil systems, that cry out for justice as we look around us and see such awful, awful 
things. I can't help but think on the flip side of this, the wonder of that place of Nineveh, once Jonah took his half-hearted message, this wicked, wicked place, this place that was against God, a place full of darkness that grieved him. And in this half-hearted call from Jonah, in a few days you will be wiped out. A whole city repented. A whole city from the king to the beggars fasted. They sacrificed and they repented. And what did God do? God forgave them. What a glorious story that transformation is possible. And God continually says to Edom as he does, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't go there, don't persecute my people, don't turn away from me. Don't help their enemies, don't rejoice in people in their suffering. The God of grace and mercy gives them chance after chance, but still they do not listen. Still they do not listen to God. The message of Obadiah is that the Edomites are going to be exterminated because of their unrepentance, because of their stubbornness, because of their terrorism against Israel's people, its innocent people. God would come and wipe the earth of the Edomites and every trace of their legacy. Have you eaten at any Edomite restaurants recently? No. Have you toured any of their holy sites? No. Are there any holidays observed by an Edomite remnant anywhere in this world? No. Because there is an absence of these people because God's prophecy was fulfilled. And you know, as sure as the word is that the judgment would come upon this land, that doom faced them, it is the same that faces anyone who rejects the forgiveness and the mercy that is only found in Jesus Christ. It is the same Bible that predicts this devastation of this land that says those that reject Christ and his forgiveness, those that reject all that he has given us, is the same one that promises those offers of, that offer of destruction to those who do not believe. Matthew seven twelve. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We call this the golden rule. And it points to this positive idea in human relationships, a good starting point of where to treat people. But Obadiah 15 gives the negative side of this. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. Or what Paul tells us in Galatians 6, whatever a man sows, he will also reap. This is the God of justice. This story is one of a God that is faithful to his people, to his nation, to a people that were not faithful to him. This is the news that comes in this book of Obadiah. And there is a severe and there is a sober caution to all who oppose the people of God. But yet it brings great hope to the people of God as we experience afflictions, as we experience trials, as we experience difficulties around this world, that whatever is done to us for the gospel will one day be repaid by God himself. Our hope is found in Christ. And our hope is found in Christ alone, now and forever. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you that you are the one true judge.
we thank you that we can rest in knowing that you will bring justice for the injustices that break our hearts, for the injustices that sadden us, for the injustices that seem so, so wrong. Would we know that you will bring your righteous justice? And God, would we know, as we have seen throughout this book, that you are in control, that you are a God that has a plan as much for our lives as you do for the nation of Israel. Lord, we thank you that you are a God that loves his people, that you are a God that will never abandon his people, and that through this message we see something of that wonder of a faithful God to his people, even when your people are not faithful to you. Amen.